I am Adriana Sowell, the president um, of the National Black Cooperative. And then we also have Cassie, who is the director of uh, moderation edu and education of TMBC. And then Zach, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I am Zach. I am the artistic director. Uh, also do graphics for TNBC. Um, this is what up. It's Jakai. Um, I am the co-director of education uh, for TNBC. And together we make the National Black Cooperative podcast where we will use a health justice framework to fight anti-Blackness, systemic racism, and social injustice through education, advocacy, and community engagement so that Black, Indigenous, and people of color cannot merely survive but flourish. Um, together we will de decolonize decolonized perspectives, we will seek to educate, improve um, historical, provide a historical and current context. We will advocate for a more just and equitable world and we will never stop reimagining a better world than the one we live. In today's, in today's podcast, we're gonna start by just talking about how we're doing both mentally, mentally physically and emotionally and how we're viewing um, what social justice issue is catching our attention the most right now. So does anybody want to kick us off? Um, I'll start. Uh, I am feeling good physically uh, and emotionally, I would say. I think mentally, uh, just work. I've been, there's been a lot of stuff at work. There's been a lot of things to juggle, different projects and some new challenges. So, you know, just working through those uh, got me feeling it a bit much. Sometimes I feel like I just want to slow down and get an extra hour in the day, to just, you know, rest. But other than that, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know? I can go. Um, I would say mentally, I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, definitely doing well mentally. Physically, I'm going to be doing a lot better once I get, start going to the gym, because I got a gym membership. Um, but emotionally, um, I'm also really good as well, emotionally. I think my motto as of lately has been to actively choose happiness. So, yeah. Nice. Hey, I'll go next. Um, I think lately it's just been, you know, just a, just a little sprinting and marathoning, but here I am just kind of making it. I uh, had some solidarity today with other teachers and you know, we're halfway through the year and we're, we're going to make it. So I'm just feeling exhausted and burnt out, but we're halfway there. So let's just, let's oh, just keep yeah. going. <laughs> Big time rest of it. We're here for you, Cassie. We're here for you. I feel that. I'm happy that you're like looking on the positive side though, that like almost done or almost on the other side of things. But yeah, I'm happy here. Everybody's doing generally pretty well. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. I've been quite reflexive um, the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you guys know this, but like the anniversary of my accident was like at the top of the month. So I've been like really just reflexive about like what I've been doing, what I want to do, that kind of thing. So that's where I've been at. Physically, I've been fine. Um, emotionally, I've been in a good place. It's been like really just trying to do things that I enjoy and trying to balance stuff. But generally speaking, I'm in a good place, I would say. So, yeah. And then without further ado, we're going to pass it off to Jakai with the song of the podcast. 
Um, also, I should also just frame that we're talking about, we're continuing our conversation about radical rest um, and finding our identity and protecting your peace. So with that context, um, Jakai is gonna describe why he chose this song for the song of the podcast, so. Thanks, Adriana. Um, so the song I chose was Just Fine by Mary J. Blige. Um, it was released in 2007. And the reason I kind of chose this for uh, the topic for the podcast in relation to Radical Rest is just that um, it's a song that's centered around letting go of anything that is essentially bringing you down. It's about staying present, loving who you are and where you are in the moment and admitting that that in itself is just enough and deserves celebration. Um, and rest in terms of taking time to relax, both your body and your mind, and just remaining in the moment. Thanks. Yes. I love that. That's a fire song choice for sure. And I think it definitely yeah. goes like um, in line with our, our topic for today. And plus seeing that Mary just dropped an album, just as in the Super Bowl. just at the Super Bowl. Yes, you know, giving all the energies. So love the choice. Love the choice. Oh. And then, so today we're going to continue our discussion about radical rest, finding your identity and protecting your peace. Um, in this episode, we're tackling, tackling how the internet, technology and social media plays a role in our ability to rest, um, shape our identity and protect our peace. In the last episode, we meditated on how divesting from the capitalist structure is vital to achieving rest. Um, so today we plan to build on that by identifying um, how capitalism and productivity have shaped the social media environment. Um, according to the Pew Research Center, 69% of adults, 81% of teens in the U.S. use social media. Um, and we could, it has been shown that social media has been designed to be addictive um, as it activates the brain's reward center by releasing dopamine, um, that is, which is like the feel-good chemical that links itself to pleasurable activities and thus making you want to do it more and more because it's addictive. Um, and the use of social media, especially among people that use it heavily, has been linked to symptoms of depression, anxiety, feeling isolated, um, and that's according to the medical news today. So today in this podcast, we're tackling how to disengage from the internet, social media, and technology at large, um, electronic unwinding, collective power, um, interconnectedness of community, and then also internet-related stress, and ending on freedom and wholeness. So to start off the conversation, we're talking about disengaging from the internet. We want to know how does, um, what does disengaging from the internet mean both mentally, physically, and emotionally for you? So whoever wants to kick that off can feel free to start. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll jump right in. I mean, I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, I kind of want to see where we end up because it, we live in a world that's like completely consumed by being online. Um, I'm sure y'all know, like nowadays, like there's talk about the metaverse and like, well, like literally escaping to another reality. Um, and so it's really, it's really challenging to find like a way to try and disengage from the end like the internet because there's so much of ourselves on there I know like you know when we were younger being told not to be on the internet is different there's not as much like social status and everything else associated with being online um 
and you know our jobs weren't you know so heavily dependent online as well like i my job is marketing uh, specifically like social media and so it's like i'm on there all day and then i get home and i switch accounts and i check my notifications for my personal accounts you know so it's like really difficult to find that time to disengage um so yeah i'll let someone else you know try to jump in on that but i, I just want to like say how like much it's ingrained in our lives you know it's not something that you just easily shake off um and if you do it's like you're you're missing out on stuff whether you want to or not it's like it just it is what it is so, yeah. mm-hmm, for sure and like to add on to your point zach like i like it's hard to disengage like uh in education too just from the from like what i've been seeing is like as an educator i'm like okay so like on my lunch break or all like supposed to take a break but then we're all on social media and I'm like is that really a break are we really like taking that like it's supposed to be 30 minutes but we all know like by the time you get your class there it's gonna be 20 so like are we really taking like our our full rest and then we go on social media so is that really a break and then we're told like oh yeah so you gotta like help the kids like disengage from social media but that's like thinking of the pandemic and all the implications like how am I going to tell these like fourth and fifth graders when some of them have even told me like but my life is like on Instagram like this is how I connect to people but then it's just like but but how genuine is that are those connections and like how can you really understand yourself through social media in that sense when they're so young so I feel like you know our generation and just speaking from my experience I feel like my generation just like we we, we just kind of gobble it up but like are able to establish boundaries but then how are we going to teach that to the next generation because that is their norm that's just like you know how do we teach them to disengage when like we are also going to struggle slash disengage as well you know just like these are the things <laughs> but that i'm thinking about so when you're talking exactly like huh what does disengage really mean anymore nowadays <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel that, Costello, actually, um, because I feel like um, companies, organizations are, like, trying to, they're trying to actively make social media and media in general just a big aspect of our lives on a daily basis. I think it is, like, really hard to disengage from it because there's so many intricacies, like, of our lives that revolve around it already, and that's and it's kind of just on, like, is just kind of going up from there. Like it's not gonna necessarily like decrease, it's only going to increase. So I think it it is a thing where you have to actively try to separate yourself from it. Um, easier said than done, of course. But I think if you, um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just something you have to like actively, like even if it's just, you know, I don't know, putting your phone in a different place or being in a different room than your phone for like an hour, an hour or two, you know, just so you could like be with yourself, stay present. Um, and yeah, just try or try to, you know, uh, maybe something like proactive as just not using any technology for like, I don't know, half hour, an hour, you know, just so like you have that sort of time throughout the day to be like with yourself in the way from technology or the internet. No, yeah, I agree with everybody's sentiments. I think I have like a pretty, I feel like I have a unique or not even unique perspective, but just like an interesting perspective on social media, just because like I didn't have, like I literally 
I like when I went to high school, people were like, Do you have social media? I was like, I have an email. <laughs> I like, I didn't have like nothing until I didn't really, I didn't learn you could subscribe to people on YouTube until I was like, like 2019. So, like, if that makes like, <laughs> so I like, I had no, even though I wasn't involved in that sphere, like now, once I created like Instagram, I realized how like conversations that I would have with people were affected by social media like I was like why are you so anti right now like it's really not that serious and I was like wait a mm. minute but now that I'm on I realized like all those discussions are were being had on social media so when I brought up brought them up in real life people had like a like a more like a, a heightened response to something that really wasn't that serious in like reality like in all like day-to-day life and I was just confused I'm just like what are we doing right now yeah. so I think like now and also now that I have it I realized like I was like people were, like I'd be on here all day. I'm like, I'm addicted. I'm like, I get addicted to something like this. Like, what are we talking about? And like, now that I have it, I understand like the effect. Like I've definitely, since I've gotten it, have thought about like bleeding. I'm like, I don't know like how attached I am to this thing. Um, or just like how much time, like there was like back before I got social media, I barely spent any time on my phone. Like, and I always see people on the phone. I'm like, what are they doing? I was like, I was like, why are they like, what is so intriguing about being on your phone? This like, like I didn't get it. I was like, we try to fake do it. So I like, I can't like, there's nothing. It's the and same I'm- thing. Yeah. With my parents. It's just like, they told me when I was younger to get off my like computer all the time. And like now, whenever I go home, like my mom is on Facebook like, all the time, like every free second she has, she's on there. And it's just like, interesting to see, like, you know, no one can really get away from it because that's where everyone else is at or it seems like it you know because there's always something to do on there. you know there's, there's like a down moment there's always new content so no I agree Cassie do you want to say something yeah I feel like it, thinking about like where we've come from like with social media and everything it's just kind of strange because it's like we used to come from like oh get off of like social media and technology and then now like I've been telling my parents like get off of it but then I've been trying to tell myself that it's just so like strange to see the shift because it's just like it's something that was like I was watching the intro of this documentary on Netflix about like the impact of social media and how like they originally created it to like help engage people and change the world to make it a better place and then like look at where we are now i'll just see if i can find the name of it but it's really interesting to see like how like there's the intent versus like the impact of like what you know the the real impact of like social media because it's sure it's used to engage and like connect people but like to what extent is it now like stressful oh yes the social dilemma yeah yeah it's that one yeah because i saw a snippet from it and i was like whoo this is deep if you get a chance like check it out on i think it's on netflix (laughs) yeah Uh, i don't know i I just it's i feel like the way things are headed like i was saying like it's just gonna be completely it's gonna be more and more a part of our lives and i think the pandemic being inside all the time just accelerated that. Like, I think it was already heading in that direction, but being forced to be inside, being forced to use social media, um, just, you know, it, it, it made it come quicker than uh, it might've already been, you know, heading towards. So it's like, it's hard to draw a line. Cause it's like, if you're not using social media, like you're, there's a certain like connectedness that you're not going to have. And I guess, it really depends on the individual how much they want 
that to be part of their lives. Like for my job, like I just don't really have a choice there. Like I, I get paid to like scroll the feed, you know, like there's a modern day job that didn't exist like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but I guess it's more so like in my personal life, like how much am I willing to like let that dictate what I'm doing and what I'm looking at? Like just recently, um, I got I got rid of TikTok, like I deleted it um, because it was taking up so much of my time. And like I looked at my phone and I think that's a good thing to do is like just check like your app usage on your phone in your settings and like really see like what the screen time per app is. And it was like far and away the most like amount of, you know, time that I was using, like hours of my day was just on TikTok. And it was like, okay, this is, I don't want this, you know, it was like making the conscious, conscious decision. Like, you know, like it's fine if other people want to do that, that's fine, whatever. But it just, it was like, I don't think I'm getting enough out of this. It feels good in the moment, you know, it's kind of like drugs, honestly. It's like, this is like really good. There's so much great content. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm having such a good time, like forgetting about everything else. And then like hours pass by and I'm like, I didn't, didn't really learn anything. Like, you know, cause there's like educational content on TikTok. So it makes you feel like I'm learning something, but like you, you just scroll so fast to like, you know, 30 videos go by and I can't remember anything that I saw. So it's like, that I don't know. It just didn't feel good. And so I had to like really get off of it. Um, but I don't know. I spend my time on other apps. It's not like I don't use social media at all anymore. It's just like I got rid of that one because it was getting to be too much. No, I think you made a good point. And I think something that I think about a lot too is like how the evolution of like social media and how like it's so new and we there's so much we don't know about it and so much we don't know how it's going to affect us and like in a lot of ways like our generation was the guinea pig of social media like I remember like my friend making a Facebook when we were in elementary school I was like you know you're not supposed to be doing that and like thinking about now like like how much it has evolved and like all the different assets that have come since then and, like how we're interacting like how that like what does this mean for like us and you guys were talking about the metaverse earlier like what does this mean for us like going forward as far as like how we interact and I think it just gets very like interesting and then going to your point about like screen time and like um to like disengage and like that prompted you to like delete TikTok and you realize you're spending too much time like I'm looking scared to see how much time like I spend on these different apps because like I feel like that's gonna have like a reality check I don't necessarily want to face um and I think that's like a very real thing like the knowing you need to disengage probably but like I don't know if I really feel like am at the point where I feel like want to do that. So yeah, I think you make valid points there. To, to each their own, you know, to each their own. I, I think you, you know, like yeah, we were talking about it in the last episode, like it's like you should check in with yourself and like really have that conversation. And that conversation needs to be done without being online, you know, like having actual rest or you're not doing anything you might be meditating or something but just give yourself that time to be like how much do I really want to have this in my life and if it's not as much as you're currently using then you owe it to yourself to like try but if if you feel like you're just all in and there's so many people who are like all in on social media and they just wake up use their phone go to bed put it you know what I mean like that's that's probably more people than I realize you know and like that's how they want to live their life. I mean, I don't know, you know, it might, it might feel unhealthy to me, but like, who am I to say, I guess. 
personally. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's kind of like when you were saying, it reminds me of like the value, like how our society values, like the fear of missing out or FOMO, where it's like, where it's just like, oh no, so like you're not on social media, like you're not engaged or like you're not like a part of like our culture. And it's like so deeply embedded in our culture now. It's just kind of like, like you said, it's just like evaluating like, well, is the, is the fear of missing out worth it? Is like, how do I self-value it? Is like, oh, well, I don't mind like going on it less because I know a while back I, I realized it's like, I'm just going to go on this less for my own health and sanity. And even now it's just like, I'm just going to keep doing my best to go on it less because rest is more important to me. But again, it's like, like you said, Zach, it's just such an individual decision. It's like not only what works best for you, but having that, inner evaluation of like what is this giving me like am I am I going online to like keep up with friends and family or am I going online to compare myself to my friends to see if I'm thin enough to see if I'm pretty enough or how I'm gonna like you know that internal dialogue and that self-talk of like uh is this actually positive or is it contributing to my stress which is what the rest is trying to kind of like deconstruct you know so really like thinking about intentions and evaluations in my opinion definitely i agree no i agree too i think yeah i think you guys definitely made good points i want to ask them to that but i want to keep going into our next question and we can like keep building off of this um so can the internet or social media be a form of rest i think we kind of like touched on this a bit we didn't actually really like take it to task though. So like, can the internet or social media be a form of rest or or is the nature of the internet inherently antithesis to rest, like inherently the opposite of what rest should be? Um, and I guess- Yeah, yeah we kind of, we, we were close to talking about that, but that's a tough one. I think it's, a, it's like all relative, like, okay, so in terms of, it's not like your job, right? And unless you're like an influencer or something, it's not really your hobby either, right? You're consuming something. You're consuming other people's content, um, essentially. And so I feel like it's not rest. Like I can see both sides of it, but like to me, even though when I take a break, I'm on social media, like I'm watching a YouTube video or something, if I really think about it, my brain is still being activated. Like it's not like taking a nap or not reading a book, you know? There's something slower about those. I don't know. Something but is reading a book, like that could be considered the same thing as right. like, like the social media because you still actively have to like. Take right, it. for sure. Um, so yeah, maybe reading a book isn't rest. I just feel like there's something about the screen you know, that like, it's a lot, you know, I don't know, like the, the, like watching a YouTube video is like, there's just so much going on or like scrolling the feed. There's just like so much going on. And I think it's just the, like the sheer amount of information that you're taking in at one time, you know, like if I'm reading a book on my phone or whatever, maybe it's not the same thing, but like something about just how many, how much like input I'm like experience, how many, like, um, uh, sensory overload yes exactly how, how much how much you know my senses are taking in at one moment um that makes it feel like not really restful to me 
Um, and once again, it's hard to draw that line, you know what I mean? Um, so, but something about it doesn't feel very restful. Like when I get done, like watching like, you know, 10 YouTube videos in a row or whatever, like, I feel like I was, I was having fun, you know, like, but I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so personally. It just doesn't feel that very restful. Yeah, I, mean, I can see that point, honestly. Um, I think for me, when I first like saw the question, I, I like immediately thought like, yes, like I think social media can be a form of rest. I think for me, the way I interpret rest is really just relaxation and some form of like, this, mm. I guess, escape from like whatever you got going on. I right. think social media does sort of allow that for you. Um, not to say, I mean, like for me, social media, every advantage and benefit it has is also like means the same amount of consequences and disadvantages that it has as well you know yin and yang so i think that it can be like very like it cannot be like rest you know it's relative like like zach said but i think it also can be for people um i think but i also think everything should be handled and used in moderation so like i think if you're using too much social media um then that could be a little maybe harmful to you um but i think but I think also that's relative in itself too. Not to get too philosophical, but like I think that's relative too in terms of like what is uh in too much for you. You know, when do you personally feel like you need to sort of be like, hey, like let me let me put the screen down for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And to kind of build off both of your points, I feel like for me personally, and what I've seen um with my fiance as well, is that like like limiting the intake can be restful for social media, but then also remembering that it's a tool. So I will sometimes use social media as a tool to relax or rest, but I have to go in and say, oh, I'm going to go to like learn more about this subject or, oh, I'm going in to like listen to these sound waves. And I know that it can be a lot at times, which is why I kind of have to limit myself. It's kind of like if you eat too many sweets, your senses are literally overloaded. It's kind of in the same way. It's like you don't like you don't want to like put that stress on yourself. But at the same time, like you won't know until you try. And until you like try to see what works and what doesn't. So like 30 minutes for me may be enough, but it depends on like having um, that engagement, like, well, what, what types of things are you engaged in? But um, in, in terms of if the nature of like social media is inherently an antithesis to rest, I feel like yes and no, it just depends on how you consume the content. And again, like, like Jakai and Zach said, it's just like, it really just depends on like, your understanding of what you want to consume. Like sometimes I'll go to social media to be educated and other times it's like, no, I'm gonna find music and I'm my intention is to rest and relax. So it's kind of, I know, like you said, it's yin and yang or a double-edged sword, but that's a tool. It can be used to kill and it can be used to save people. So you never know. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think is that like getting to like all of you guys' points, I think it's definitely like not this or that. It's like an and type of situation. I think like for me, I feel like going to what Cassie was kind of saying, it's about how you, like one point, one part of it is like, how do you curate your feed, right? And like, how do you curate what do you see in your feed? And like, how does that, are you intentional about like that? Like, is it things that feed your soul or is it things that like make you start to like question who you are or like, 
start to pick away at your, like, your identity in like negative ways. And you, you have to be able to identify that for yourself, right? And I think the part of the social media that becomes like, you're, you can curate your feed and still have it be like not necessarily a restful situation. Cause I think the, cause of the way social media is like structured and designed, right? You have like these notifications and you have like these likes and they, all these things that like increase like anxiety. I know when I get like notifications and stuff that like pop up, I start getting like, like it just messes me. I'm like, I don't, it, I feel like that part of social media is where I start to get the most anxiety or like when you like refresh your screen and then like wants to refresh like every 10 seconds and it's like your whole, like you're just scrolling and you're like in something and then it just refreshes and everything's gone. I think those aspects of like the social media realm is what gets like anxiety written for me or like just like the, and I think that part of it, like the grind culture part of it, of those like the constant like flooding, like what you guys were saying, like sensory over, like the flooding of information, like how there's always something new, there's always something different, there's like a continuous thread of like stuff just coming at you all the time. I think that's the part for me that gets like um, like anxiety written, not necessarily like the feed itself, like the content itself that's there, but like the way it's delivered is what like messes me up. It makes it not restful. I agree. I think that, yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, I think that gets to like the, you know, that whole algorithm conversation, right? It's like the, what for me, like TikTok was so addicting because they have a very special algorithm um, that like fine tunes every video that they send to you so that you're more and more likely to stay on the app. Like it's literally built to do that. And it's very, very good at doing that. Um, and, you know, other apps have their algorithms as well, but like TikToks has really, that's why it took off so like insanely the year is like, they, they just figured out like a really, really good algorithm. And so you just have to, like, you can spend forever on there, really. Like, if you think about it, cause it's just like, it's going to be stuff that you want to watch, you know? And so you feel like you have to, con- you want to consume it. Cause you're like, I don't want to miss out on the stuff that I like, you know? And like, it's an endless stream of it. So, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's super attractive thing to want to like keep doing. And so, um, I don't know, trying to, trying to fight that and be like, well, okay, like maybe I don't need this as much as, you know, I think I do. Right. It's like, where, where's that line? Cause it's just, it's so hard. It's so, it's such a tough like distinction to make, you know, cause like you feel like you're getting something out of it um it's it's a trade-off really you know um from like how you feel after using it versus the information that you're actually getting from it Mm -hmm. and speaking to that feeling it's just like sometimes when I'm on social media I don't know about you all but like there's just like everything's like always positive and now there's been this like movement to be like oh let's be more like about real life but then I'm like but only showing positive things is still kind of it's like toxic positivity and like people don't really talk about it but we know it's there as like a social norm of like oh well like only post like when you have a big thing in your life when like you're happy or this or that so sometimes I feel like I personally don't post things about my life because I feel that people either might judge me or misunderstand who I am and it's just it kind of sucks because it's like it's a tool to engage or disengage. And sometimes I personally feel disengaged because it's like, if my, if my feed is just flooded with just like everyone's happiness and I'm not happy or whether I'm happy or not, it's just, it just doesn't really create a culture in my opinion that is contributing to uplifting each other. It's just about liking it. 
And it's like, well, then what does our world become if we're only just clicking the like button or clicking the heart, you know? Mm. That's yeah. a good point. I think I think that's a really good point. I think you you get to like another point too in that like on the internet, I realized like the social interactions are just like very different. Like the way people socially interact on and I was talking with Corona mm-hmm. and I, like like that a while back and I was like, people like I, I don't know how to like nail it but it is i feel like people the way they interact on social media is not the way they would interact in real life like at all even in just like the nuanced things it's just like i don't know it's just the whole way people feel like it's okay or like the social awareness online is just very different from what like is expected in real life and i think that's just off i think it's also influencing how people are talking in real life though um because i can i you know LOL back in the day was not something people said out loud, you know? It's really weird when you think about it, right? It's like, yes. it's it stands for laugh out loud, but <laughs> people say it now in, like, you know what I mean? In regular like, conversation. The kind of stuff that the internet does, it creates this, like, culture of, like, it changes, it, you know, changes the way we talk, it changes language, it influences so much about how we interact with each other. I see, like, you know, we're moving on in the conversation, right? Um, for our bullet points that we got. Um, so it's like, yeah, like, I there's there's one side of the things where it's like because you can be anonymous anonymous online that you know that definitely allows people to feel like they can say whatever they want to say and that can be really bad in certain circumstances where people will just say things that they would never say to a real person in real life Mm -hmm. Um, but also just the fact that like you can just like reference whatever and like your feed is not like anyone else's feed but it's like you can just say things uh that you we are just assuming that everyone's going to understand what you're talking about, you know, and make references to stuff. And it's like, oh, if you missed it on Twitter that day, then you're not going to get it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it's it's really interesting. Like I said, I think it's just speeding up um, kind of weirdly like the natural evolution of, um, you know, social interaction. Like it, it just, I think it's just the speed at which it's going is what's hard to comprehend and hard to keep up with. You know, it happens at such a quick rate online and that there's, once again, you feel like you're missing out on certain things if you're not super online one day. And it's like, I don't know, it's tough. (laughs) No, I agree. Definitely. I think there's a quick sentiment on the LOL part. I remember (laughs) this was a while back, but um, I told a friend, I was like, you know, like how people like text LOL and stuff. People really don't be laughing out loud. They should really say GOL because they're like giggling out loud. Like you're not really having a full belly laugh. So why are we lie to people? That's a total aside. Um. <laughs> no, but I get what you mean though, because it's it's a, it's like the actual language has like evolved to the point where like that means something than it it means something different than what it originally was intended to mean. Yes. And, that can happen so quickly online you know with like memes and whatnot it's like yeah it's like silly and fun or whatever but if you really think about it it's just like language like changing and evolving really really quick like at at speeds that were never possible before like you know now so it's interesting i don't know i don't think necessarily this is a bad thing i'm not saying that this is part of social media that's bad i think it's just really interesting that like you just might not understand what someone's talking about just because you you weren't online that one day or whatever you missed that or you were in a different part of the internet than that person you know 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think about how like the internet has now become a place where like there's online community or there's like, there's a literal like sense of community to stay involved in so many different things. Like I know I'm now able to stay involved with like some of the people and organizations I've done work with abroad. And in the past, I would have had to like write letters or I would have had to like go back to the country, which again, like that would be cool and nice. But like, it's just like, there are times where it's like it's just great forms of connection but then like on the flip side like you said Zach it's like if you miss a day then it's like oh well what'd you miss out on and it's like oh I missed like a whole bunch of like drama or information and then like if you miss out on too much when, when you're talking Zach it just reminded me of like um when people go on social media detoxes like when people get canceled on social media or like if you miss out on too much it's like oh all of a sudden now I need to take the necessary steps to rest and detox, but then it's like, well, what does that say about the online culture and the online community? And like, like, what does that mean in terms of rest if you're gonna detox from Instagram, but not Twitter? If you're gonna, if you're gonna detox from Facebook, but not Snapchat, you know? It's just so many like, ah, you know? <laughs> Kill you. Well, you guys make really great points. And I think, yeah, it gets very, I think social media can get very like, weird it's like you want to say like it's 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 such the balance and there's so much positive but there's so much negative and I could definitely relate to that the idea we're kind of jumping all over the place on this but it's okay um the idea of like community that Cassie was bringing up like that like social media can bring um I think at least for myself like getting like developing or getting social media right during the pandemic right the sole reason why I got it was because I like I felt like I was just like very isolated because of the pandemic like all other times in my life like I was always around people like you know so it didn't really like shift the needle for me either way like it's just like I don't need it if you like you're my friend you'll have my number you know I was given that kind of energy but like when the pandemic happened I was just like good that was the one time I was like let me do it and I got it and I realized how much like you can have passive engagement with people right like I was starting to follow people like I back from like elementary school middle school high school that I haven't seen in like since I graduated type energy. I'm like, I see they have families, you know, they send a little emoji in the story, like, oh, you're doing, ah, you know what I mean? And you got, you're able to have like passive engagement with people, which is something that like, like Cassie was getting to about like having like places that she worked with or did like work with overseas that she probably would have never been able to see again unless she went back or sent a letter. Like you're able to have like a certain level of like, you feel like you're involved in these people's lives even though you're not really involved in these people's lives because like, again, it's like social mm. media and it's, it's just like the metaverse. Like it's like this, like this different realm of reality that is real, but it's not really real and tangible. Um, so I guess to that point about like building community online, um, although there's like a lot of negatives and pot, there's a lot of negatives about social media. A positive is the curation of community that can occur. How do virtual communities impact radical arrest and building identity? Um, and even thinking about like our like pillar or like the idea of like even social justice, the realm of social justice and internet and like the communities that are built there, like different orgs and stuff that have really got their grounding online. It's like how do virtual communities um, impact radical arrest and identity building in that way? Um, I think it's difficult for me to 
related to radical rest per se, um, but maybe as I try to answer this, it'll, it'll come to me. Um, I think it's like, you can find a community of people on the internet who think exactly like you do. And that wasn't possible like 20 plus years ago without the internet. Or it was, but you'd have to go to a meeting or you'd have to go to find a club in your local town or whatever. Whereas now you just search it up, you're there. You know, and I think that kind of um, that ability to find people who are very like minded is cool. Um, it's very comforting, uh, but also it's easy to feel like, oh, there's like 20,000 people in this group or whatever. There's 20,000 people who think just like me, like I this is the way I should think. And it's harder to challenge your beliefs, I feel like. I actually like wrote a paper on this in college about political polarization and like how um, like the actual opinions of Americans over the past like decades, a couple few last few decades is like really not that different. Um, generally speaking, like uh, people want the same kind of stuff like healthcare and you know, whatever. Um, but online, the opinions have gotten more and more radical. Um, the terms, the actual things people are saying online, the terminology has gotten more radical over time. And so it's really interesting, it's like, the, the loudest voice in the room is the one that gets heard type, type of thing. You know what I mean? Like this, the, the, you know, the tweets or the posts that uh, really get people going, like really, you know, whether it's like a, like a, a positive kind of passion or like a hatred, like that's the stuff that gets the most engagement, gets the most conversation um, and gets spread the most on the internet. And so it just seems like things are getting more and more polarized, even though like, generally speaking, what the general population thinks, uh, according to polls, at least, is relatively the same. But mentally, you know, as we've seen in the past years, like politically in the United States, like, it's nuts. <laughs> Things are getting wild because people just disagree so wholeheartedly with each other. Um, and they feel like, well, you know, seems like everyone on online is agreeing with me. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's on my side. And this goes both ways. But like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's harder to have like a, a serious conversation, you know, um, talk, like having those conversations in person is a lot different than just tweeting at each other online, you know what I mean? And um, I guess the way it might relate to radical rest is like, there, it's, it's like easy, it's just easier, right? It's easier to just not have those difficult conversations and to try to find common ground. Um, it's more challenging and takes more energy to do so. Um, but the internet makes it just that much easier. It's just like, I can find my people. And as long as I just keep, you know, staying with my people, I don't have to confront anybody else. It didn't used to be like that. Yeah, absolutely. And while you were saying that, Zach, it's like, I was thinking it's harder to tune in and listen more online because it's like you're reading in between the lines and reading in between the culture and a lot of the culture nowadays with like the current political and personal climates that we're all in from the pandemic and politics and stuff is that we're like polarized subconsciously to the point where like our subconscious psyche is constantly like working on like how to grapple with this and I think in our society like the we we are not is like, I want to say, we don't have the critical thinking and analysis tools. Like, I don't want to say everybody, but like uh, most of the population, if you think about and how we're educated in our society, 
Like we don't have those tools and skills online. Cause like you said, Zach, it's different in person. Like we were taught, well, many friends or people are taught like how to interact in person, but online, like how do you have like digital literacy? Like is, how do you teach that? And then how do you teach how to sift through and understand what is fact versus opinion? Cause that line is blurred. And then how do you now discern that from yourself versus what you see online. Cause I've had a lot of interesting conversations with people who are also part of the LGBT community. And it's just like, are you, are you a part of the community? Because like, oh, it's cute and popular or mm. is this an actual part of your identity? And then same thing with some of the activist groups. Are you here just for the likes and the hearts or are you really passionate about it? And I think that we have to really be constructive and, and meaningful and because that's, that's where true relationships and um, connections come from. I've had great connections with people who I've never met face to face and I have no idea if I'm ever gonna meet them. But that's because we are privileged in the sense that we have the educate, like we've been educated and have those tools of like, oh, I understand like how to engage and disengage in a meaningful way. So it, that's just where like I've come from in terms of identity because I'm a part of like um, this uh, BIPOC group or Black Indigenous People of Color group and we communicate, we collaborate and we're all graduate students and we're from like a, around the world, from around the United States and we've built such a beautiful community to hold each other accountable to like to truly create a space for us to flourish and I'm appreciative of it but at the same time it's like well you, you have to like have the skills whether you teach yourself those critical skills or whether it is taught to you i think we need more of that if we want to make social media less toxic and less negative we need to now like get tools to to understand and comprehend more but that's just i'll, I'll just i'll just leave it there i don't want to like go on a rant <laughs> sorry nah, don't be i was you asking them really good question to be honest. I think in terms of like, I, I do agree like that there is sort of like what Zach was saying about like when you're in these sort of groups, right? And you're like, you're with these like-minded people you kind of lose um, perspective. And I think also you have this sort of like space now to spew a lot of like, um, a lot of, to be honest, uh, just things and that are, pretty problematic. I, I think I see a lot of people who want to, who feel like maybe they didn't have a voice before and now they take, now they're using their voice to spew a lot of things. Like I see a lot of, I see a lot of men, honestly, on podcasts, spewing a lot of misogyny, a lot of misogyny against like black women. And that's not okay. That's pretty deplorable. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's like things like that, where, where it makes social media really scary and honestly really frightening because you're having these people who are not open-minded, right? Who have these hateful beliefs, right? But who also find community with those beliefs and they start some sort of like group where like, and basically it's like a, it's like a domino effect. People are gonna see that they're like-minded people part of this collective, right? And then they're gonna wanna join this collective, right? And then it's like, you really, and at the same time simultaneously, you really get to see like, oh, okay, this is how you think that I'm going this way. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I just wanna give my two cents on that. No, I agree with like everybody's sentiments thus far. I think social media can very much like the idea like social media can create community. I think that is a very positive thing, but like getting to everybody's points, like it creates this very siloed like 
group think mentality where like even if you have similar ideas to people it doesn't necessarily mean you agree with everything everybody says right within that within that group usually you still have some kind of form of like dissent or just like variation on that idea but like I feel like social media creates this like there's this only like extreme one one thing that we believe all believe and if you divert from that in any kind of way it becomes like problematic and questionable and I think that's where it gets very like creates this very apathetic like disposition or it's like well if you think like that then like you're like to be tossed aside and you like for the rest of your life type energy and it's like how are we coming to these like um conclusions like why are we coming to these conclusions and sometimes it's warranted right but a lot of the time it's just like a minor just difference in opinion versus like questioning somebody's humanity right like, there's a difference between the two is what i'm saying and i feel like a lot of times it, get, it goes more towards just like you just don't get it and we don't want you here type energy um and I think that's where it gets very questionable. And then going to like Cassie's point about like people critically thinking about like what is happening or what is being presented to them. Like I remember one time um, my mom was telling me a story about like one of her coworkers and it was just during like the 2016 elections. And she was like, yeah, I don't like Hillary, da 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 She's da 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 and, she, and, and then she was like the person that brought up like, yeah, she did Benghazi. And my mom was like, um, what happened to Benghazi? to the lady and it was crickets <laughs> I was like wow you're horrible but she was like exactly so don't she said don't just go feed into stuff like at least you're gonna have an issue with something like do the like legwork do the research to understand like why you feel this way like don't just say something because this is what you've like heard or this is what you've taken in from like no, various yeah. different points of perspectives and then you think like this is like um this is accurate but you have no lot and I think that's like coming up again with like the critical race theory like you'll have you see people like these people go talk about oh critical race theory is bad the critical is um they're trying to make us like not like ourselves and make white people uncomfortable and then you go ask them like what critical race theory is and they have no type of like depth to understanding of mm -hmm. anything about it so it's like how do you not like something but don't have any foundation to what you don't like like at least you're gonna not like something like have some kind of like some idea of what you're in opposition to and I think that's like the scary part about like that whole like group think like silo mentality like it's okay to be in a silo if you're well no it's not okay to be a silo. it's okay to be in a community as long as you're able to like critically like question and be like mm. and like have critical debate about things right within that within that group but when it becomes a silo where you're like closed off to anything else that's when it becomes like okay what are we doing here energy oh yeah adriana i want to jump in because you just nailed it like it's a it's the it's the buzzwords that catch on you know what i'm saying and it's it's the um the talking points that are created online that people just repeat again and again and again it's the easiest thing to do you don't have to think for yourself all the talking points have been made for you this is the problem that people have attributed to the media right? You, you know, the far right media, the far left media, right? Because they're the ones like making these talking points, these headlines that people just repeat again and again um, and take them as fact because they're assuming, you know, whoever said it. But I would argue that just as much as the media creates these narratives, like people themselves are creating these narratives, you know what I mean? Because you're just seeing it online again and again. All people have to do is copy and paste something. You know, they're not coming up with unique thoughts. 
or, you know, not everyone is, I don't want to like generalize, but like a lot of people aren't. Um, and like you said, they're not, they're not really thinking about what they're saying. They're just, they're just assuming that like, if someone, if, if somebody has had this before and it supports what they believe that they're going to just repeat it and then that's fine. You know what I mean? That without having like a serious conversation, it's just like, you're just going to yell talking points back and forth at each other without making any progress. Even though it seems like you're saying a lot, you're really not saying much at all, you know? Um, and that's super interesting. I, I just, I don't know. Because like, it, like I said before, it's something that, you know, it's not like human beings do that prior to the internet either. It's just the volume at which it happens now um, changes things a bit. I'm not really sure exactly how to, how to put that in the words, but it's just different. It's just different. It just, I don't know, it's something with the speed, the, just like the, the sheer speed at which like the narrative can shift from, you know, one thing to another. Um, yeah, because I've seen it. I've been on Twitter where threads start, you know, and then immediately devolves into the same old talking points again and again and again. And then before you know it, it's like the conversation has shifted to something completely different, you know, but it's still talking points. It's still stuff that I've heard before, but it's just like, how did we, how did we jump from this to this? You know what I mean? It's like, they ran out of talking points on one thing. So they just started like talking about something else, you know, bringing something else up. It's wild. Mm-hmm, for sure. And just to add on while you're, uh, to what you're saying, Zach, it's like, it's like taking things as facts, whether you did the research or not to see like, is, are, is this really like, fact or is this fiction and then everyone believes the fiction and keeps like retelling the same story instead of like it's kind of like if you read the spark notes version of the book or did you actually read the book and everyone's reading spark notes and i'm like is that mm. fact? no it's spark notes it's the summary from a specific perspective like that that may or may not be true and it's like that line between fact and fiction is blurred into people's opinions versus like what's actually going on. And that has to get into perception, understanding your own perception versus people online. And sure, sometimes your perceptions may align like we were saying before. And other times it's just perception is different than reality. Like, let's face it. There are times where I've gone online and I'm like, in what world, like <laughs> in what world is this true? And yet people are taking it as fact. And a lot of that has to come to us as the people to educate each other and to realize that like, take everything as a grain of salt. Like people are drowning in salt and sometimes salt is the new sugar and you can't even tell the difference anymore between sweet and salty. And here we are over consuming, underweight, overweight, and it's just a mess. And a lot of it has to do from being mindful that this is a tool and we need to like, we, we the people need to, to use this tool better. So that way we're not, it's not constantly positive or negative it's just something that we can use to help one another based off of like it's quote-unquote true intentions but like <sighs> I feel like I feel like you're right that you know the way the internet was designed I think you brought this up a while ago Cass like mm -hmm. the way it was designed is supposed to be very positive and there are elements that are positive in it um but it's almost like if we were to redesign it now with everything that we know that there might be certain things that get left out in the structure of the actual um, internet would be different, you know? And I, I'm not sure how much, um, how much you can really change about the nature of it, uh, you know? Um, I think like, like the like function, right? The like dislike function, it's, 
it's hard, you know, like there are certain, like if you're on Reddit, they don't, they have upvotes and downvotes, but they also have like reactions and more apps are doing that too. Um, but it's weird. It's like, it's almost, it's almost, um, and this might be a hot take, but it's almost like a pro like metaverse thing. Like if you can just pretty much have like in-person conversations, except you're an avatar, you know what I mean? Maybe that's just the closest thing we have to like, just bringing it back to where we were in the beginning, you know, but there, that comes with its whole other set of problems, right? Like pretend to be just whoever, you know, but like these, these face-to-face conversations are, are really the, the essence of what human beings are, you know? And like, I mean, look, look, look at us, right? Like we're on zoom right now. You know what I mean? Like we're not having the face-to-face conversation, but like, this is, this is the closest we get, you know what I'm saying? And um, it's really interesting. I think the last thing I want to say is that like, like the Twitter has recently had Twitter spaces, um, which is like essentially there a certain group of people are like the admins. It's like a, it's like a Zoom call, except it's all audio. Um, so it's like you can jump in a Twitter space and hear what like creators are saying, you know, and they can let people in from the chat to talk one at a time or like ask a question or whatever. Um, but sometimes it gets out of hand it gets so wild because you can be anonymous you know what i mean and you can just go in there and say whatever and it's uh yes exactly like clubhouse exactly like i think that they pretty much stole the idea because that's how they think all these apps are just stealing from each other you know um and so it's it's interesting to see that like the 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 companies try to like have different spins on the exact same thing you know like a new uh a new like text app comes out like every year you know what I mean? There's, there's thousands of them. So it's, it's really interesting to me. And um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if we can really escape it, you know, even if we rebuilt it from the ground up, like, I feel like every new app creator is like, I'm going to make the next Facebook or whatever. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it'll really be any better for us. Honestly, we kind of have to like live with it. No, I agree wholeheartedly with like both those sentiments. And Cassie, you're going off with the metaphors there. <laughs> I got all of them. The sparkles, I, I felt that in my soul. The all time I was back in high school, I was reading Sparks those glad if it's reading a book. Like, or with yeah, group think. Not good, not good. Um, but going and then also I think going to like Zach's point about like the internet and how it was created. I remember this is kind of not an aside, but an aside about like I remember learning that Facebook, when it was created, like it was, it was initially created for like college students, right? So technically, people that were like under age of eighteen or something weren't supposed to have Facebook, but um, and it was created for like college students. And when they had like in that environment, the small like the smaller class, like when it first was initiated, like there was problems for like black and brown students that were on the app, like it was, it was like a systemic problem, right? That never really got solved. And I think. When you think about like all the issues that probably were like arose during that time of like infancy and like this didn't probably didn't come to light and just were allowed to persist now like I think a lot of that's just like unsolved problems because of like the who gets to create technology and thinking about like automation of all like the different isms right that we see like I remember listening to um a thing talking about like the automation of racism and how like you go, there was like this um, challenge way back when, I don't really know when, but I guess it was on Twitter and people were like using auto crop and it had like a picture of Obama and a picture of like, um, what's his name? The guy who is the, well now the minority leader, Mitch McConnell. Um, and it would like 
auto crop to Mitch McConnell, even though they have both of them like evenly, equally spaced in the picture, it will like keep auto cropping to him. And just how like even things like that, like we don't even think about can be like automated into a system. It's just wild to me. Um, but yeah. And then going into let's I think we should probably try to wrap it up. This has been a good discussion though. I think it's got a lot of different ways. Um this, is our, uh, this has become like our our usual uh thing here, isn't it? Like we have our we have all of our points and then like we kind of hit them just out of order and uh, <laughs> end up talking for over an hour. So. You know, that's my life. We just kind of yeah, like I think like Jakai said, just take it as it comes. We're just getting, you know, give we're having a good time. I mean it's <laughs> But yeah, we should probably try to wrap it up. We got to get dinner. No big facts. Um, taking it in stride. Oh, so the last question we have here is how do we visualize justice in this um, in this context of like social media and rest and gaining rest and being able to like form an identity outside of social media? That's a tough one. I think it's interesting that you brought up like the uh, kind of the way like systemic racism can be um, like worked into the technology and worked into the social media that we have um, right before this. It's, it, like, it's, oh, it's interesting because like, you know, the societies we've had that we've have been handed, you know, like um, they, the American justice system, you know, um, our healthcare systems, all that kind of stuff. Like they're so deeply flawed um, and trying to change them uh, from within is so incredibly difficult, you know, even as a younger person, like I've realized in my lifetime how difficult that can be. Um, I feel like it's, it's online, I would like to think is easier to create a more equitable system. Um, not to say that it's not flawed as well, but I'd like to think that social media and the internet is young enough that there's time to like try and implement um, equity into those systems. Now, I will say that like social media companies like Facebook, and Google and stuff, they have so much money that they might be starting to look like actual governments themselves. You know what I mean? That it might start to become just as difficult to change those systems. Um, but I think, I think the nature of the internet at least provides you know, each individual to have like their own space on there. Um, and, you know, while we've talked about all the flaws with it, we've talked about everything that, you know, can go wrong and be bad for us. Um, but I think that, you know, the individual, we have a little bit more power here than I think we even do trying to fight like against the American government, you know, and capitalism and stuff. I, I, I am a little bit more optimistic on the internet side of things that if we keep advocating for more equity um, and we find spaces that we can say like, okay, yes, these, these are people who think like me, but let's, let's, you know, like you said, be open-minded. Like Estelle was saying, like we, we, ha I have a group that like people are working to like, you know, bring everyone in and hear everyone out, you know, and like really push that forward. I think, I think there's plenty of opportunity for the internet to be used better and to be, um, more more you know just than it is now so that's my take yeah for sure and what um, i i think that like visualizing justice for 
um, radical rest and social media has to do with documentation. Because um, I think we're documenting the past and the present and setting up a better path for the future for like future generations of activists. And so I think like having the videos to see the different injustices, like if we didn't have this technology now, like how would we have like been communicated about like George Floyd? Like, how would that be different if there was no video, if there was no sharing on social media? Like, how about Black Lives Matter, too? That was in 2012. I remember I first heard about it because of social media. And how about, like, all these different social movements or political movements or health justice movements? All Like, so much communication happens. And I think that visualizing justice means, like, not only documenting it, um but also like connecting over our similarities and differences like i actively try to find people who have the same thoughts as me but then also empathetically listen to people who have different opinions and then just coming together and having an open mind and an open heart and and really thinking from an empathetic perspective of, or or a sympathetic perspective about like how we can be there for one another and i know adriana you talked about um uh, critical race theory and how people don't quite understand it. And I know I, I led an event with the town of uh, Windsor Human Relations Commission, and that was one of the most polarizing conversations I've had in, in the community. But we really all came together. Like we all had such different backgrounds and opinions and understandings. And yet through our differences, we came together. And I think that that is like the true power of social media or can be one of the potentialities of the power of social media. So I hope that we can continue the conversation in meaningful ways, document it and just continue onwards in that way, you know? Thank God, I'm sure answering the question, to be honest. I mean, oof, everyone has such good points, I mean, It's tough. I mean, I like, I feel like, I think it's going to be something that has to be like, like proactive, to be honest. Like, it's kind of like I was saying previously, I think social media is going to be one of those things where it just, like I said before, continues to just evolve. And I think we, I think it's hard because we're so, so in it that we're not actually seeing like how much time we're spending on our phones or how much like it's really consuming us or how much it's really taking over our lives. Like even like people, I don't even know, people take on whole different demeanors and people use different types of mannerisms. And um, I don't know. And there's also, there's also such a strong connection between like, you know, social media and like black culture and how like that's like also having it like it's influence, right? It's something I think that we're, I don't know it's really just I think something we have to be real cognizant about because uh, I think as good as it is um going back to like my I guess my analogy it's definitely like yin and yang or like instead of saying a double-edged sword so I think it's really just about actively trying to rest in which in ways in which we believe rest what rest looks like for us outside of social media outside of like using our screens in general um even something as small as like actually, well, also we are in a pandemic. So that's having a huge influence on how we're also interacting, of course. But, you know, if you're able to definitely like connect with like friends or I don't even know, like even shoot, reading a book, 
I just got Audible. So like, I'm trying to listen to like more stuff now, like, you know, just like doing things like where you don't have to spend so much time like on the screen and just getting back to also like connecting with people. I think we're also losing out of touch with that. To be honest, I feel like we're getting way too comfortable communicating with people like online. Like I'll see someone's story. It's like, oh, shoot, fire, like fire emoji. You know, it's like, and it's like, dang, it's like, it's, it's so simple. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think there's a lot also simplicity within like social media as well. That's like really easy. And so it's just like, oh, no work, like send emoji or, you know, like LOL, whatever. So, um, but yeah, so I think we have to get more comfortable with kind of the more the labor of reconnecting with people. Yeah, no, I think you guys make valid, like totally incredible points. And I think just summing off of that quickly, I think um, a lot of ways social media kind of going to the cast is like the great democratizer, right? Like there's a lot of people that it gives voice to a lot of people that before would have never been able to have voice to, right? Because in would have never been able to have voice, right? And then in that way it creates a collective history, a collective story that would have never been um, been able to be curated before, right? Um, we also have to think about how in why certain voices are silenced. On those, those like um, different social media, I think about like shadow banning and who has this, like the stakeholders again, like these white males that have stake in like what is valid versus what is not valid and like what is um, deemed like censorable versus what is deemed not to be censorable. And I think it definitely like starts to get into like muddy waters with there, but like getting back to like the rest part of it, I think, um, and like what justice looks like as far as rest and social media, I think it kind of comes back to like, what really are you there for and how are you shaping it to make sure that like, it's not consuming you, but you're consuming it. You know what I mean? Like um, you're able to like take from it what you can that it like feeds you, but not enough that like, you're like, it's taking out of you and you don't like you're starting to question yourself or you're starting to like feel less than because you're consuming it but it it fills you enough to keep going but not enough to like empty the tank out you know like um and I think finding that balance is like the hardest part like it sounds easy but like it's probably the hardest part of it all because it's like not designed to be that way um but I think that's like the stepping stone or like the starting point potentially for that but this was an awesome conversation i we always have like every time it never misses so like i'm not surprised but big vibes um i got nothing left so with our closing quote from um thurgood marshall the former supreme court justice from a bicentennial speech we have i do not believe that the meaning of the constitution was forever fixed at the philadelphia convention nor do i believe the wisdom foresight or sense of justice exhibited by the framers particularly profound to the contrary the government they devised was effective from the start requiring several amendments a civil war and a momentous social transformation to attain the system of constitutional government and its respect for individual freedoms and human rights we hold as fundamental today. When contemporary Americans cite the constitution, they evoke a concept that is vastly different from what the framers barely begun to construct two centuries ago. And with that, TNBC leaves you with that systemic racism does not just manifest itself and this extreme city's nature of police violence, but exists in a spectrum where it festers at the surface every day, stifling 
the ability of Black, Indigenous, and people of color to flourish in every aspect of life. Anti-racism and social justice work is a continuous conscious act, and it requires us to learn and relearn, relearn our ways of being in the world and question what is hegemonic to ensure we are not falling into the inherently violent status quo. It requires us to believe in, believe in and imagine a world more just than the one we live and do the work to achieve it. And with that, guys, we can call it a... Uh,